Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. So if I can check in on what my needs are and pinpoint one thing of, oof, my stomach feels fiery. Okay, I want to work on that today. That's my focus. My digestion has too much fire in it. So let's do things that are going to um, digest easily, but also have great nutritional value and are things that are unctuous and grounding like oatmeal, like a nice bowl of lentil soup, like some sweet potato soup or butternut squash soup, things like that. Um, and then opposites bring balance. So like increases, like an opposite brings balance is a really great, simple way of just, again, whatever stage of life you're in pregnancy, postpartum, single in a relationship, any of the things, um, uh, supporting all children, just taking it back to, okay, today I feel this way. I want to bring in opposite qualities. So I'm going to do this. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom with meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise. It can be easy to feel like we're in an on again, off again relationship with healthy living, but it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friend, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Chris, your host, and I am so thrilled about today's guest interview today. This is another brand new topic when it comes to Healthy Balanced Mama podcast topics, but it is still very much related to health and wellness, and I love having guests on who know so much more than me about a topic that they can just talk for hours and hours, and we both get so excited during the conversation them excited to share with me and me excited to learn. And today's interview was exactly that. I have known a little bit about the science of Ayurveda since I studied yoga in college. And I say I studied yoga. I really just practiced yoga in college and after college um, in several different cities. And so I learned a little bit about Ayurveda, which is a thousands year old holistic modality of health and wellness. It involves things like food and 
um, everything from food to our morning and evening routines, how we show up in the day. It's really all about balance and learning how to balance the way we live our lives with the way that is best for our unique bodies and our seasons and also even the seasons of the the world as I learned in this interview. So This is another one of those episodes where I am totally the student. I don't know a whole ton about Ayurveda, but I'm so fascinated and so interested by it. And you know, I'm always looking to create more balance in my life, which is why I am so excited to introduce you to Elise Wilkie, today's guest. And we dig into everything from Ayurveda when it comes to what it is, what the different dashas or constitutions are. And then we go into pregnancy because Elise has a really unique background as not just an Ayurvedic health practitioner, but also a doula. She works as a perinatal and postpartum doula. And so we kind of went through Ayurveda in the whole lifespan. So we talked about it for adults, for families, for pregnancy, for postpartum, for breastfeeding. We kind of touched on every one of those areas. So I think that this is going to be an episode that absolutely everyone can get something out of. It was so fascinating. I had so much fun talking to her. I know you guys are going to love our conversation. So to introduce today's guest to you, Elise and I actually met through mutual friends a few years ago. So she was raised in rural southern New England, and it instilled a deep sense of awe to nature's beauty and the interconnectedness of the world. And this fascination created the passion to continue to learn, experience, and explore the everyday Day wonders of life, which is why she started exploring Ayurveda. Ayurveda is the science of life, and it was the wisdom that Elise craved to learn how to activate her body's innate ability to heal, to restore balance and heal her gut of Crohn's disease, which she talks about in this episode. Elise synced with nature's rhythm by eating local seasoned foods and nourished her spirit with meditation and outdoor activities. She was humbled by the powerful healing of her mind and body from simple lifestyle adjustments and wishes to spread this natural, ancient knowledge to anyone who's in need of self-healing and self-love. She is nationally certified as an Ayurvedic health practitioner and 200-hour RYT through the Sacred Stone Academy of Massage and Ayurveda in Newport, Rhode Island. She is also a DONA-certified doula. She works here in Rhode Island with clients, and she just has so much wisdom I cannot wait to share with you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Elise. Welcome, Elise. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me today. I cannot wait for our conversation. I've been anticipating this conversation for so long. I'm so excited to have it, but I still love to start with a fun little icebreaker before we jump in talking about Ayurveda. So what are you reading these days, Elise? Ooh, right now I am reading In the Flow, and it's all about hormonal balance. I actually have it here in front of me. Uh, Alyssa Vitti. Yes. Yeah. I love her. <laughs> it's amazing. And it just is so brilliant um, and kind of similar to Ayurveda of do things when your body needs them and then not do things if your body needs rest. So it really has been um, really fascinating and a great link to figuring out the cycle and which hormones are more prominent in the four kind of quadrants. And it's fascinating things. I really yes. enjoy this. Yeah, I have, I've been fascinated about cycle syncing and and the female cycle for a few years now. Um, I have a hormonal imbalance, and so that kind of led me to more interest in that. But it it blows my mind how many women don't understand that we have 
and myself included a few years ago, that there are four phases to our cycle. It's not just like we have our period and then it's the rest of the month and we're either pregnant and we have those pregnancy hormones or we're not. There's so, there's so many more nuances. It's kind of like, you know, I think I used to think like it's either we're PMSing or we have our period or then it's just nothing, but there is so much to it. And it it really is so powerful in terms of food and movement and productivity. It's so cool. So I love it. And what a good segue into, into our conversation. Really caring. So you are a doula and you're an expert in Ayurveda and also yoga. And so I would love to hear kind of where your journey started. So how did you start getting into this work and how did you kind of discover the passion that you have today? For sure. So um, being really little midwifery always was so fascinating. Just the thought of going out into the middle of the night with your herbal medicine bag and going to help birthing people was always such an allure. Um, And then even being a nutritionist, as I got older through kind of middle school, high school, thinking about career opportunities, but I always thought going to school for nutrition meant more of coming out of schooling and analyzing blood samples and not having a strong connection with the actual client, not being able to really see what their day-to-day like is, what they're eating, why they're eating it, what their temperament is. Um, And then through the most perfect little silver lining in my late twenties, kind of like going into my senior year of college or sorry, not late twenties, like early twenties is when different symptoms kind of kept coming up and I wasn't sure what was happening in my GI tract and my stomach and tried different things and different doctors. And then it, um, through the allopathic kind of Western world was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And through there also knowing where that may have stemmed from and kind of what I'd been eating and how I'd been, my lifestyle had been the past five to 10 years. Um, And then hearing kind of the Western allopathic doctors solution to Crohn's disease with a lot of autoimmune suppressants and steroids. So I was on heavy medicine, like prednisone for a long time and Humira and all those things. And it really just was not for me and it wasn't working and it didn't feel right. It felt like it was masking the symptoms and causing like pretty severe consequences with things like prednisone and such. And magically was at a um, class at All That Matters in Wakefield. And this beautiful teacher, she's still my most favorite. Her name is Elsie. Um, At the time, she was in her mid to late 70s. And so she teaches these beautiful, slow classes with this gorgeous pace. And um, leaving that class, I saw a brochure for Ayurveda and had never heard of the word before, had no idea what it was. And um, instantly, as I read the description, felt like all the stars aligned of this is exactly what I had been hoping for. This is what I wanted to go to school for all this time. And then doing more research, found Karen Chabot, who is our local Ayurvedic practitioner, was teaching her first course of intro to Ayurveda to become an Ayurvedic health counselor right here in Newport, Rhode Island. So it truly, and I think I found the brochure in Ayurveda in maybe like April, and then Karen's program was starting September of that same year. So it all just fell into place, took her Ayurvedic health counselor program and graduated in June of 2014. And then from there, it was um, more Ayurvedic training with Myra Lewin of Hale Pule. 
and then doing more birth work with um, going forward with Ayurvedic Mamas and Jenna Ferrari and now doing uh, birthing advocacy. So full spectrum doula work. So it's really come full circle and amazing how in the beginning it felt like these were fully separate modalities and just kind of a way for me to figure out how to be comfortable in my body and help my body heal and be proactive in my health uh, with preventative care. And so to be sitting here at this point, it feels amazing to be able to share this ancient wisdom stemming from India um, and obviously brought to the U.S. Karen studied under Dr. Vazant Lad. So I love to think of him as our little beacon of light that brought Ayurveda to the States um, and sharing with the Western culture and allowing us to adapt to their beautiful, uh, like holistic modalities feels really, really incredible. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Oh my, we have so many fun little connections here too. Mm -hmm. I first started yoga at All That Matters in college. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was really, really helpful for me. I struggled a lot in my college days. My listeners know that I've struggled with eating disorders and I also struggled with some digestive issues. And that's actually what led me to studying holistic nutrition, holistic health when I lived in Toronto. Now it's like almost 10 years ago. And that's actually where I first heard about Ayurveda. And I'm sure I had maybe heard the word and I don't even know if I say it correctly, but I'm sure I heard the word, you know, in kind of my my yoga practice. I practice yoga all through college and then afterwards at a couple studios in Toronto. Um, But I actually didn't really get to experience it until I went to Kripalu, the retreat center in the Berkshires. My husband and I actually did our honeymoon there. We did a little yoga retreat for our honeymoon and I got to experience some of these delicious foods and I I took a cooking class too. This was um, while I was in, yeah, it was while I was in culinary school as well, or maybe right after, right after I was in culinary school. And it was so, the food was so delicious and nourishing. And so I got a little bit more fascinated about it then too. So I've studied it a little bit, but I don't know a ton about it, which is why I'm so excited to have you on and to talk more about it, especially as it relates to mamas, because you're also a doula. And so you also work with mamas in that prenatal period and even postpartum period. And so I know that Ayurveda is called the science of life. It's a thousands year old science. And so it it involves nutrition, but it also involves other practices too. So can you kind of share with us a little bit more? Many of my listeners are already familiar with kind of holistic health practices. Practices, but for the listener who doesn't understand anything about Ayurveda or has maybe heard of it but doesn't really know what it is, can you kind of just give us a little Ayurveda 101? Absolutely. Um, I loved this question so much. I love that it was your first question because the definition, as you mentioned, of Ayurveda being the science of life is truly just a look at your specific, unique, beautiful life, where you live in the world, what stage of life you're in even down to what is your commute like to work? Um, What time do you wake up in the morning? What time do you go to bed? And so it being the science of life, it's really just observing how you feel in your body, how your mind is feeling, how the skin feels, how digestion feels. Um, Ayurveda even goes a lot into not only you are what you eat, but you are what you digest. So we talk a lot about bowel movements and um, consistency and all sorts of great things. But With it being the science of life, and for a great example today is the first day of fall. So happy autumn equinox. And in Ayurveda, it would just be looking at the characteristics of the outdoors 
and kind of bringing balance in through the body based on what's happening outdoors. And so some really kind of cool, quick catchphrases of Ayurveda, I guess you can say, are little easy ways to remember of like increases like. And that just means that say I have a really upset stomach. It feels very fiery. My cheeks are all red. I have a quick, hot temper. Um, I'm really, if I add some salsa into my body and I'm drinking a hot cup of coffee and then I'm out in the hot sun on a 90 degree day right at noon, I have just just um, kind of played out that like increases like. So I was already feeling excess heat in my body. And then I added excess heat with the salsa, excess heat with the coffee, and then being out midday on a hot 90 degree day. So like increases like. So if we're feeling one sort of imbalance in our body, and then we're adding external elements of that same degree of that fieriness, it's going to increase that out of balance. But if we do the opposite, so opposites bringing balance, that would be if I'm feeling that fieriness, maybe I would sip on some room temp coconut water. I would go for a morning walk or a late evening stroll, very nice and soothing at a slower pace. Um, Cause again, going for a run is going to build up that heat a little bit more. I would do um, slow cooling breath work. I would be able to add in maybe some mint tea, um, some cooling things like a cucumber soup or something like that. So really bringing that opposite characteristic or quality into the body. Um, so with Ayurveda being the science of life, it's really just kind of staying present in your own body each day and kind of giving a little check of how am I feeling today? Am I feeling a little anxious? Am I feeling ungrounded? Are all my thoughts super sporadic? What can I do to make that um, bring in those opposite qualities? Mm, I think that is so, it's so cool because it does apply to every area of our life. And I'm so huge on, you know, encouraging women to listen to their bodies because I think we're not, I think, and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. We talk about things like intuitive eating. And I think that, you know, for so many of us for so long, it's, we want to follow some sort of a plan that somebody's mapped out for us, but it's rarely, if ever, really individual. And you're right that our bodies change every single day, every single season. Season. It's natural that the things, the the foods that we crave, the movement that we crave, the you know the way that we are feeling when we wake up, it's different every season. It's different every single day, and so that it makes so much sense to lean into that and be mm -hmm. able to kind of actively respond to that with these different practices, which is so so cool. So mm -hmm. something that I'm really curious about. I know that in Ayurveda, there are kind of three doshas. I think I'm saying that correctly, three doshas. And so I would love, actually, I'm not even going to say what they are because I would love for you to explain what they are, what they mean, and how we can kind of use knowledge of what our dosha is to kind of better connect with our bodies, to start to increase that connection and start to respond to our bodies in that way. Absolutely. So Ayurveda has the five great elements that make up those three doshas. So the five elements are ether, which is space, um, space between anything, space between your bones, space between the bones and the muscles, space between your tongue and your teeth, space between your thoughts, space between the meals that you've consumed, uh, space between actual time. So um, ether, and then there's air, which is movement. So the breath, and actual mechanics of the body is where air comes into play. 
Then we have fire. So again, it's kind of like digestion, metabolism, um, functions through the body and even external things, of course. So um, certain foods can be heating versus cooling. So you may be consuming, uh, again, we talked about salsa. So we already, and that's again, the beauty of Ayurveda and a message I really want to keep saying and reiterating again and again is we already have this innate wisdom. We already get it. We already know salsa is heating. We already know that if it's a super cold, again, kind of a nice little uh, way to put it into play is that picture now a February day. And we just had a 12 inches of snow. It's negative two degrees. It is cold. It is windy. It is dry. And you've been outside all morning shoveling snow and clearing your driveway and you come back indoors. And are you craving a raw cold salad? Are you craving a warm bowl of soup? We're craving a warm bowl of soup because we already have that feeling of we were just out in the cold, dry wind. We feel scattered because the wind has now gone through the ears and all the orifices of the face, so the mouth, the nose, the eyes. And we're just a product of our environment. So we already have this innate wisdom through our ancestors and our grandmas and um, growing up and just knowing how to kind of bring that balance in. So going back to our elements, we have ether, air, fire, then water. So saliva, mucus, tear ducts, um, obviously the water made up of the body. We're mostly made of water. And then um, externally, everything about the seasons, the rain, the moisture and the air, humidity and such. And finally, earth. So feeling grounded, feeling stable, feeling solid. And that would be obviously um, physical things like muscle, bone, tissue, having your feet planted into the ground, the earth we walk on. Um, and then qualities of that nature too. So with those five elements, bring us into our three doshas, which are vata, pitta, and kapha. So vata is the first element. It's easiest to get out of whack or kind of um, imbalanced because it's made of ether and air. So if you think of basically a swirling wind, so it being the first day of fall, we just entered vata season. The leaves are getting crisp, dry, and brittle. The air is more mobile. There's a coolness in the air. So these are all vata qualities. Is mobile, dry, light. Um, light meaning the quality of like thin and more brittle. Um, but it also has great qualities. So vata is creative. Vata um, loves to plan. Vata is very organized. Um, vata really, it's really more of that artistic sense. Then we go into pitta dosha, which is our fire and water element. So that would be summertime. So again, that heat and metabolic um, rate and also metabolism and digestion. So that's all our pittaness. So that's, again, being um, well-educated in what you're speaking on. It's um, being able to speak clearly. It's being able to have that structure, again, that discipline, also very organized, also really loves to have everything um, lined and ready to go. Um, just the way we have that expression of, oh, that person has a piercing gaze. Vata, or sorry, pitta people tend to be very just uh, forthright in what their thoughts are and their views and the beliefs. They're not afraid to speak their truth. They're really just these balls of energy and fieriness. Um, so you picture a fiery personality and how robust they are and how quick witted and sharp tongued they are. So again, going back to wisdom, we already know, we already have expressions, <clears throat> pardon, that fill in what kind of these doshas are. 
And we already use all of this wisdom throughout our day anyway. So it's really cool to kind of see it in action uh, throughout your life once you just kind of begin to notice. And last but not least is our good old cuppa. So that's earth and water. It is grounded. It is solid. It is stable. Um, it can be slow and unctuous and heavy, moist and damp. So great qualities of cup are stability, um, reliable, really um, great temperament, tons of patience. They don't fly off the handle the way a pitta person may. They really um, can just be your solid grounded star. And then also it might just go if an imbalanced cup of person would just be a bit more lethargic, a bit more docile, a bit more sedated. Um, so there's beauty in each of the doshas. And then there's also the opposite when you can see that dosha get out of whack. And there's even uh, each time, <clears throat> each day you have vata, pitta and kapha times a day. So vata is from two to six every day. So AM and PM. Um, so especially imagine like you're having a great night's sleep, but you wake up out of nowhere at 2 a.m., how hard it is to get back to bed and the mind starts going. It's about the time of day we're supposed to be asleep. But if we happen to wake up, it's so hard to stop that mind. Um, then we roll into um, cup of time of day is from 6 to 10 a.m. and p.m. And again, now things are a little bit more slower. We're doing different things throughout their day to just kind of get the pace going. And then pitta time is 10 to 2. So if we think of the sun, the sun is highest between 10 to 2 a.m. and p.m. Well, not a.m. at that point, but um, and that is your time when you're kind of busiest during the day. You're getting everything done. You're working on projects. You're checking off your to-do list. And so it helps you also, if you are a Vata person, you kind of can work your morning routine of, okay, let's try to work out or do our exercise before 6 a.m. And that way we're um, really working on that energetic field of feeling energized and ready to go. And then also playing into that cup of time of day where if we're able to get to bed before 10 p.m., we're using that circadian rhythm so that once if we stay up past 10 p.m., that's when it's pitta time of day. And so all of a sudden our brain is going again. Now all of a sudden we want to unload the dishwasher. We're going to throw another load of laundry in. We're going to clean off the counters. Let's just go organize some things. Oh, I'll get ready for the day ahead. Um, and so that's when all of a sudden that pitta energy comes back at us. And then also our lifetimes have the vata pitting cup of quality. So if we picture beautiful little chubby babies with their unctuous smooth skin and their little runny noses and slimy faces. So um, childhood, infancy through childhood is all cup of time. So they are just these little unctuous balls of love. They're cuddly, cute, slimy. That is our cup of season. Um, then we go into kind of teenage through midlife years where we're going to school, we're getting jobs, we're making babies, we're going, going, going. There's always something to do. That is our pitta time of life. It's transformation, it's growth, it's all of that. Um, and then vata time of life is when things are, um, you know, if we picture a beautiful 95-year-old woman, how she may have very thin skin on her hands and beautiful wrinkles on her face and um, the skin may be a bit more dry and you kind of just need to help with that a bit more of lubricating the skin and drinking more water. And so we have our Vata time of life as well. So it really carries through not only day to day, but throughout the whole span of our lives. It's um, And of course we can go on and on about how in depth that can get to, but 
it really helps to give us that window of, oh, okay, I'm, it's pitta time of day, pitta time of life. I had maybe too much coffee or caffeine today. That's why I'm feeling so aggravated. That's why I'm feeling so overheated and overwhelmed. So it gives us a little bit, not only of empathy for ourselves and our actions, but just a little clues of, oh my gosh, that makes perfect sense that I feel overheated right now. I just took on all these pitta elements without grounding myself, without drinking any cool beverages or um, things like that. So it's just great little techniques. Oh my gosh. I find all this so, so fascinating. <laughs> so I, I, I understood that we each have our own kind of main dosha, but I didn't under, I had no idea that there's like different times of the day. As you're talking about that, I'm, I'm very much a morning person. I wake up early, just naturally. And that is the time of day that I always do my planning. And it mm -hmm. just, it makes so much sense. Cause that is like, that is where my brain goes first thing in the morning. I do a little journaling and then I'm like, okay, let's plan the day. Let's get that ready. Following then, that rhythm, that's yeah, it is. It's so, it's so interesting. And I like to, I like to do my movement first thing in the morning as well. And then, you know, kind of go into the start to the day. And so I think for some of that, that rhythm is kind of natural for me. And then I'm, I'm laughing over here as you're talking about that post 10 PM time, yeah. where I typically try to get to bed before 10, but if I don't, right. then I am totally, I'm exactly like that. I'm like, Oh, well I can do all these things. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm up already. So I might as well. And then of course it's midnight and I'm like, Oh, but, and I wake up at 5 AM every morning. So why am I still up? So yeah. it's so, oh my gosh, it's so interesting. So I'm curious then. So how do we, and I've seen different like quizzes online and things like that. How do we determine kind of what our primary dosha is and does it change throughout the lifespan? I know you said that, that kids are more kappa energy and then, you know, we go into pitta and then vata. So, so how do we kind of figure that out? For sure. So, um, there is your constitution, which is from the moment of conception, kind of what time of year were you conceived? What were the emotional stability? Yeah. So again, if you were conceived at 2 p.m. in the middle of July on a hot summer's day, maybe you're a little fiery or, and who knows if your parents were, um, or whoever conceived you felt grounded and stable and loved, or was it a hectic time of life where, you an unplanned baby? Was it um, that the one partner was super into having a baby and maybe one partner was thinking it would happen a little bit later? So there's always different characteristics and qualities that come into that moment of conception. And of course, time of day, time of year really plays into factor uh, really greatly and also like health of the parents. And so from there, you get your prakruti based on kind of if there is any imbalance from where you originally started. Um, and so with that, there's Ayurvedic health consultations. So it's a pretty lengthy process. Um, not lengthy, but just really involved. So we want to get that full picture of who you are and what's happening. So again, it's questions like, um, what time are you consuming meals? What kind of meals are you consuming? Is it while you're driving or are you seated at the table or are you on the couch in front of the TV? Um, is it a stressful environment? Do you have maybe a dog that is barking incessantly or maybe the neighbor is uh, being super loud? Who knows? But um, like, what is the quality of those meals? What's the quality of digestion, the quality of bowel movements, quality of sleep? What are your loving relationships like? What is your work relationship like? Um, what is your sexual relationship like? And if you are menstruating, how is that going? 
um, really the full gamut of who you are. We look at your tongue. Your tongue can tell a lot of cool signs on the vital organs, on um, nutrition absorption, on if you're too vata, there'll be a bunch of cracks in the tongue. If you have a lot of kappa, that'll be white, opaque. They call it ama, which is like the disease. Um, really great things. We can take your pulse. And even so, if you picture a very characteristic, let's say, like hippie surfer person, and they just came off the beach, and like, oh yeah, it was like a really great day. They're speaking so slowly, so softly. They have a. They were on the water all day. They were attached to the earth, so they're feeling more cup of energy. Where if I was an executive, I may get on the call and say, okay, what do we need to do today? What's happening? Okay what else is happening? And just be very, again, quick tongue, sharp witted, piercing gaze. Then that I know, oh, this person's feeling a little bit more pitta. Or if you're having a bit of a vata imbalance, they're constantly twirling their hair. They're looking all around. They're not finishing a thought. They're fiddling with their fingers. They're tapping their foot. There's a bunch of things happening, not only. So I'm listening to what you're saying, but I'm also observing how you're saying it, the speed you're saying it. What else are you doing with your body? And what kind of words are you using as well? So if you're like, if you're talking about heat a lot, like, ah, I was really heated about that. And you know, like Pitta people tend to kind of throw out subjective terms of like, ah, I can see what's happening here. So um, there's so much fun because then it really is just breaking down of, oh, that makes total sense. You're a commercial fisherman. You're out on the ocean all day. You're in the wind. You're in the sun. No wonder why the skin is dry and you're feeling a bit arthritic um, just from like, the vata, the air and ether swirling through your bones all the time. So bones um, being light with their um, and density and things like that. So it's just playing into what your overall day is, what the overall life has been, and then where you are now. And again, what season is it? What time of day is it? And um, kind of breaking down all those little pieces to put together a big picture. Oh my gosh. So, so cool. I have so many questions. I, I have so many things to ask you. I want to talk about the, you know, different, different seasons of our lives, but I have a couple more questions just mm -hmm. because I'm curious and I'm sure the listeners are also curious too. So are you more likely to have an imbalance within that dosha? So if you have a, um, your, if your primary constitution is vata, are you more likely to have imbalances where you have too much vata or, and not enough of the other doshas? Is that, is that kind of how it works? It can tend to be for sure, because um, that's almost your sweet spot where you want to go back to. And vata is always going to be the fastest to be out of balance. So even if you have only a small amount of vata in your constitution, but you happen to be in a very ungrounded situation in your life, maybe you're moving, you're starting a new school or a new job, a new partner, um, that also is going to take into effect. And so it's really always coming back to vata and doing a few main things. So um really simple guidelines is that kind of starting your dinacharya, your daily habits. And just as you mentioned of finding that routine in the morning that works best for you and just having um, little ideas of, okay, when I wake up in the morning, I want to brush my teeth and scrape my tongue first because all of that bacteria that built throughout the night, we don't want to swallow that now and bring it into our digestive system. So we want to first clean the mouth, 
wash the face, even if it's just cool water on the face. Um, you can even take cool water on your hands and dabs the soles of your feet if you need help waking up. So if you are a cup of person and you are not a morning person, then a little fresh water on the soles of feet alivens the body and kind of brings up that too grounded feeling. If you're sedated and tired and lethargic, the feet on the water really helps. Um, and then from there, it's, as you mentioned, drinking some warm water to get digestion flowing and kind of cleanse the system. It's doing a meditation practice or breath work, or even just some quiet time. So um, maybe even it's taking the dog for a walk first thing in the morning or something like that, something really gentle and soothing, always doing what feels best for you. Maybe you like to um, sip your tea out on the back porch, or maybe you like to read through a meditation journal or um, do some journaling yourself. And then going into the movement aspect. So how can we now move the bodies, do some gentle yoga, some lengthenings of the muscles and then going on from there. Um, and then other great points are again, just trying to get to bed before 10 and try again, it's so hard in our society, but trying to have electronics off by 8 PM so that the mind has time to slow down. The mind has time to relax and settle into its nighttime routine where things like having social media on our phones, where you can just endlessly scroll, that's just going to bring up that Vata energy because it's constant movement. It's change. You're looking at different images every second, if not multiple images in a second. And so it really is tricky for the brain to just go from that to being able to shut down and have a restful night's sleep. So being able to turn electronics off and then while you're eating, just being present in the meal and eating slowly, chewing and feeling the food, setting the utensil down between each bites. And then the thing that's been so helpful for me with Ayurveda that I didn't realize before is that with each meal we consume, we have when we get our perfect amount of full between having enough air and food in our belly, we give out a little full burp. Well, just a little gentle like boop. In it. So as you're eating and consuming this meal, you'll start to feel that sensation in the stomach of oh, I do feel satisfied. I do feel kind of full right now. This feels great. And then maybe you'll have a little burp. And you're like, oh, that's it. That's my full burp. I am full. And your meal is through. You're all set for now. So it's when we go into that overeating, that's when we turn down our digestive fire. So pitta is the um, digestive process. So if we dampen that fire and we dampen out our digestive fire, we're not able to actually digest all that food. So again, as, as I mentioned before, it's not only you are what you eat, but you are what you can digest. So I also love to tell clients, even if you are eating a pound of kale and having all these raw almonds and walnuts and things, do you have the ability in your digestive system to actually be able to break down all of those heavy solid foods uh, digest them and then assimilate them. So the body is actually receiving all those nutrients. So what happens if there's food in there that we can't digest, it obviously will back up and just build that AMA, build that disease and then digestion gets sluggish. And then from there, that's when um, different health imbalances happen. So our Ayurvedic is a preventative medicine, preventative care. So we're trying to keep the body in balance and daily and doing little things so that it doesn't turn into big drawn out issues. Hmm. That makes so much sense to me too. I mean, all of this makes so much sense. It's so, it's so fascinating, but 
Um, when I was really struggling with my own digestive issues, one of the things the nutritionist I saw told me was to stop eating raw foods for mm. a period of time. And in my journey to, you know, figuring out what works best for me when it comes to food, one of the things that I was, I was doing was eating a lot more raw foods. I was eating a lot of raw vegan foods. There was a bunch of really fantastic raw vegan restaurants near our home in Toronto. And so I was eating a lot of raw foods and he's like, this isn't great for your body right now because your body's having a hard time digesting all of these raw foods. And he showed me some ways to tell if I was not digesting these raw foods, which was really revealing. Um, and you know, everything from the way that I felt to the way things came out after. And so actually just switching to eating more cooked foods for a period of time was really helpful for me. And I believe that I have more of a Vata constitution naturally. And so, and I think I tend towards you know, I don't know if I, it's wanting to eat those type of foods, but it is helpful for me and my digestion to eat more cooked foods, especially mm -hmm. if I feel like my digestion is a little wonky. So I just a kind of personal anecdote that I, I, I kind of noticed that with my own digestion and it's so, oh my gosh, it's so cool. Mm -hmm. I love all of it. So I'm curious. So this is a lot of information, but you know, they, they can, they can go and see an Ayurvedic practitioner like you, um, if they want to kind of really dig into, you know, to their dasha. Um, so actually I do have another question kind of before I segue into this, are there certain health conditions that the different doshas are more inclined to just because of their constitution? They are, um, again, yeah. So how Vata can get out of whack more if, and how, for example, I had, uh, what started or what was diagnosed as Crohn's disease is definitely excess heat in the body. So me being really conscious of what I'm consuming, that's fiery. Um, and again, so some foods are heating and some foods are cooling. So as we head into this winter season, even say the oils that you cook with sesame oil is heating where coconut oil is cooling. So coconut oil is great in the summer. Now that we're heading into cooler weather, uh, sesame oil is really great. Certain spices are heating versus cooling. Um, and so it's really kind of working with an Ayurvedic health counselor, working with someone who can help guide you through that process of oh yeah, this actually is heating. So if you have extra heat in your body, let's omit that for now and try something else. Mm, oh, so interesting. So mm -hmm. what I was going to ask before I, I asked the other question, because I'm just, I'm too interested in all of this. I love it. That's so cool. how does this work with families? Because most of our listeners are moms, just that the nature of the podcast, most of them are moms. So where does the person listening start with incorporating these practices? I know you gave some examples like, you know, having that morning routine and having that nighttime routine. How does it kind of work with families when the different members of the family might have different and so that might mean they have different needs. Mm -hmm. uh, the beauty of Ayurveda is really taking it back to its roots and keeping it as simple as possible. And in the West, we love to categorize things and we love to know our dosha and we love to try to box ourselves in that. With life, everything is a variable, constantly changing. And like you mentioned, our kids could be a totally different constitution than we are um, and could have different imbalances. So it's really bringing it back to the basics. So um, eating locally and seasonally so that you know the produce that you're having is produce that is going to be bringing you into balance. So right now, vata season, again, is that air and ether. And what magically is in season in the fall is squashes and all those beautiful root vegetables that are grown on the ground or in the ground. 
they're dense, they're sweet, they're solid. So they already have those couple qualities magically happening during Vata season. So that balance is already there built into nature. We don't have to do anything, but just kind of follow suit. So with families, it's more earlier bedtimes, more bath times, lots of reading, um, also switching to soups and stews and warm foods. And um, where again, like summertime is transformational. We're up later, we're out later, we're seeing people more and then school comes. And again, that's such a perfect rhythm where now our schedules get more fixed. We are able to plan more for meals. We're at home more, we have more family dinners. So it's really just following that same pattern and staying with the flow of the season that's happening and working with it rather than against it. So it's tricky with um, the sun is setting earlier and we want to still be out swimming at the beach, but instead let's switch that mentality a bit and embrace the earlier nights and getting to bed a little bit earlier, um, having that nice cup of tea, doing some puzzles. And obviously that's the glorious side of it. And it's not that easy being a family, but rather than making it a super struggle and thinking, oh, my child is in kapha season, but a vata personality. So what should I be cooking? Just bring in that warmth, bringing that groundedness, the soothing, going out on hikes. It's a great time of year to go for hikes. Just throw a hat over your head so that the vata kind of that air and ether, we can get um, out of balance. If there's a lot of wind just blowing through the ears and through the body. So just putting a hat on or putting on those extra jackets, having a fire outdoors. Um, so really just embracing it that way rather, cause otherwise it can feel very overwhelming. And I remember starting Ayurveda and especially with trying to heal my body of Crohn's disease and putting so much pressure on myself and getting so overwhelmed by what can I eat and what's going to feel okay in my body, but it's summertime, but now it's winter. So it really can be overwhelming if we think about it that way, but in more of just the ease and flow of just following suit, because nature is going to be right there to guide you. Um, and it's fun because even then winter and spring are all different characteristics. So springtime is all that snow is melting, it's running water, it's movement, it's our sinuses draining, it's really wet, damp earth. So we would actually do the opposite quality. So vata season is air and wind. So right now uh, for vegetables, you could stew them in a pot, do some sauteing with some really nice sesame oil or ghee, put in some great spices like sage and um, coriander and cumin and rosemary, all those nice things and add a little bit of water to the pan. So you're increasing the water content. So you're balancing out that dryness of Vata season, where in springtime, there's excess water in the air, excess water in the ground, excess water in the body. So we would do the opposite. We would roast vegetables in the springtime. So you're getting out a little bit of that extra moisture out of the vegetables, condensing it with the sweetness. Um, and then you'd eat a lot of bitter greens to kind of get that astringency, kind of get that heaviness of winter out of the body. So it's more just kind of following nature's pattern and rhythm. And really, once it starts to feel overwhelmed, just kind of take a pause and walk away and come back to its roots, because that's where we want it to be the science of life and how it embraces us and uplifts us and is preventative healthcare. But if it switches into kind of that control, box it up and organize it, then we've just kind of exasperated our pitta selves and we just got to <laughs> walk away until we can come back to it. 
Oh my gosh. I love that. And I feel like that's so, it's so comforting to hear, like it can be so simple in, especially as families and leaning into the seasons. And you know, as a chef, I love that leaning into the seasons and seasonal foods. And I find myself naturally gravitating towards creating more soups and stews mm-hmm. and serving them to my family. But that's also just naturally what I, what I enjoy creating in the fall. And so it, it makes so much sense. Like yeah, I keep saying wisdom. Like we're already all living it. We already get that idea. Now it's just putting a name to it all is really all Ayurveda is, is once we explain to clients and people who want to practice of, Oh yeah, that makes so much sense. And that's why I get so excited about Ayurveda and just want to like giggle through it. I'm like, it's so wonderful and so applicable to anybody. Cause it's just seeing what is happening within yourself and your mind and body, and then just adjusting slightly different things and making it fun. So that's how I have to remember for myself and my own pitta mind of if it starts to be overwhelming and confused, not confusing, but just you're trying to make it more than it is, then that's the pitta taking over. So just go back to the roots, go to bed earlier. It's really the foundations of nutrition, as you know, are just like rest, hydration and nutrition, just bringing it back, just get the sleep that you need, get the movement that you need, get the nutrition that you need, and then ask for help along the way. Mm, yes. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit and tap into your training as a doula because your experience is so wide ranging, which is just so cool. You focus a lot of the work that you do on the perinatal and postpartum period. So how can this knowledge of Ayurveda help to support a healthy pregnancy? I'm sure that there is a dosha that is more prevalent during pregnancy. So how does that, how does that work? And how can that help our listeners who might be pregnant or who might be preparing to become pregnant? For sure. So the beauty is that if you chose to, or wanted to yourself and your partner, whoever you're conceiving this baby with can choose uh, six months, three months, or even a year before conception to kind of bring themselves back into balance. So if your partner is super pitta vata, maybe they do some work on feeling more grounded, more loving, more solid. Um, And if you yourself are more kappa and lackadaisical and lethargic, maybe it's starting a new exercise routine. It's cleaning up the diet, starting a meditation practice. Um, It's getting out some of those preservatives and really going back to the basics again so that you feel mentally and physically ready to bring a baby into the world so that um, I'm a huge advocate for mental health care. So finding a counselor that works for you, whether it's a couple's counselor or just one for yourself or both, I feel like you should have your separate individual counselor and your couple's counselor, and then a perinatal mental health counselor. It's just have a full gamut just because life gets crazy. Um, so having that beautiful support group already in line before conception. And then um, from there, once you are pregnant, And just again, checking in on the body. So you're going to need extra nutrients. You're going to feel more grounded. So um, pregnancy is the pitta time. So that's transformation, it's growth. You have um, your blood volume increases. You have more heat in the body. So it's also taking care of yourself that way. Body work is so lovely. So perinatal massage or perinatal body work all sorts of great modalities to kind of ease yourself into that. So seeing a chiropractor, cranial sacral therapist, um, any of those beautiful modalities doing prenatal yoga. And then of course, if it's things like 
kind of sometimes common signs of um, heartburn or indigestion, things like that. We can work on that with different herbs based on your needs. That would be safe for pregnancy. Um, little remedies, like if it is indigestion, maybe some gentle ginger tea with fresh ginger. If it is heartburn, um, it's checking in on the diet. Are there a lot of nightshades in the diet? Are you drinking um, coffee or soda carbonation? So even um, carbonated water brings on a lot of indigestion, a lot of burping and gas and air. So we are, well, are you sipping seltzer all day? So even if it's a, one that doesn't have flavor or sugar, it just could be aggravating the belly. Uh, we work on you feeling grounded and soothed so you can get to bed and get rest, feeling comfortable in the body, communicating with baby really just setting up the visualization of how you want pregnancy to go, how you envision your labor, when you want to go into labor, really getting into how beautiful you want this experience to be. So letting the mind, um, if the mind needs a job, fixate on something beautiful. So otherwise the mind tends to go to the opposite side. So let yourself daydream and visualize about all the glorious aspects of welcoming in this baby and how you want your partner to respond to your needs and what your birth team will be doing and um, really planning ahead. And then as we all know, pregnancy only lasts so long and postpartum is forever. So really knowing who that support group is going to be once baby is here and um, then your physical needs change. So post-birth, you are now in Vata season, basically, of that time. So as the baby was in the body, it created all this extra, the body created all this extra space for baby. Once baby is born, there is that Vata sense of space. So now there is more space where baby used to be organs are kind of shifted and out of line. And so we now want to bring warming, soothing, grounding qualities to mama. So kind of following that 40 day principle, if not the whole fourth trimester, if we can warm foods, warm liquids, limited movement and staying to the bed as much as possible um, really is profoundly beneficial. It's wonderful. It gives me goosebumps to see when I see a postpartum family and I'll enter into the shift and maybe they had a rough night's sleep and baby's latch isn't great and they both didn't get rest. So I come in and I wash my hands and I get them tea and I get them a warm meal and I address their needs and then I let them shower. Then I let them go for a walk, but just being able to bring them a warm cup of herbal tea and a warm bowl of oatmeal or stewed fruit or whatever it needs to be is tenfold based on how the morning started. Because again, that Vata energy is excitement and it's, it's basically a tornado. Picture a tornado running through your postpartum home. And so being able to ground that and soothe that and just lather you in unctuous cuff of love um, really feels so amazing. It really, to know that you could switch someone's whole day just with a cup of tea and a warm bowl of soup uh, feeds my whole soul. So love is, my love language is absolutely food. And I can't get enough of being able to support clients postpartum prenatally, of course, for sure. But again, like we said, postpartum lasts forever. And there aren't the research, there are resources, but not anywhere near enough of what it takes to raise a baby and how isolating it may feel and draining and tired and how much, again, just the basics of being able to get enough sleep and have a warm meal in your body, how mental health, physical health can truly just feel supported and settled and grounded. And with the mental health aspect postpartum, we just want to make sure they are feeling so supported. They can vocalize their needs um, and really is so profound.
Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. It, what's interesting to me is um, when I was in my own postpartum period, so I have two kiddos, like I, like we mentioned. And so for each one of my postpartum periods, I, the second, the second time around, I was, I gave myself a lot more grace. I was a lot, <laughs> I was a lot more in tune with my body, I think, than I was the first time. And a lot of anxiety and health issues during my pregnancy. I've talked about um, my pregnancies a little bit um, here on the podcast, but the first time around, I had some a lot of health issues. I was very anxious, and then going into the postpartum period, it it I didn't give myself the space that I think that I definitely needed that first time around because I. I don't think I had the support around me to tell me that that was what that was okay, really. And I also lived quite a ways away from family. And even though my mom came and stayed a little while, I think having a postpartum doula would have been really fantastic during that time with my first baby. And then thankfully, the second time around, I I learned a little bit more and I definitely took more time to rest and asked for more help. And I think it was just knowing that I had another, another child, she was four at the time going, okay, I'm going to need some extra help this time, but whatever it takes to go, okay, I'm going to need some help and to set up those things. But one of the things for myself that worked really, um, that worked really well and felt really good for me was I only craved warm foods during that postpartum period, both times I remember. So I, um, so I worked as a personal chef for a number of years when we lived in Toronto. And at that time it was, I was on pause from being a personal chef because I was you know, late pregnancy and had a baby, but I had kind of personal chef for myself and put a whole bunch of food in our freezer ready to go so that my husband could just heat it up for us because he's not the cook in our family. But I had my daughter and I had a couple soups that I had cooked and prepped in the freezer, but I had my daughter and the only thing I wanted was soup and sourdough bread with butter. That was all awesome. I wanted. And I ate that every single day, literally two mm-hmm. meals a day. I think I had oatmeal for breakfast and then for lunch and dinner, that's all I would eat for like the first, the first couple of months, literally the first mm-hmm. couple of months. And then the second time around, I made myself more soups because I was like, okay, that's what I wanted the first time around. And I craved the same exact thing. And just leaning into that is so interesting and so fascinating. I think this information is so, it's so powerful. I think moms need that. Um, and you know, anyone, whole families, they need that permission sometimes that it's okay to, to rest, to, if your night was crazy to just take that time to ground yourself in the morning, to have, you know, have that cup of tea, to eat that food. Don't forget to eat, to have what feels good and, and having someone like you around to go, here's your tea, here's your oatmeal, take some time. I think, um, yeah, I think it's, it's really powerful. Absolutely. And not only is it going to help them in the moment, being able to just feel like they can conquer the day, but even through the rest of their lives. So being able to care for yourself postpartum, restoring the nutrients that baby kind of depleted a little bit throughout pregnancy so that you don't feel arthritic, you don't feel lethargic the rest of your life. There's not this constant sensation of feeling slightly depleted. So being able to focus on that postpartum time and rebuild your own immune system, your own cardiovascular system, all of the things, and be able to get digestion back on track and the sleep habits all falls into caring for your mental health as well. So you'll feel so much better, feel again, like you can conquer that day and take it moment by moment, because like we know, parenthood is can be isolating, can be super overwhelming, can be very glorious. So it has all of its moments and it's just always being honest in the truth of that and just saying, I'm having a hard day. 
I need some time, I need some food or whatnot, but being able to see, wow, if I just take this month to six weeks to eight weeks, whatever it can be, even if it's two weeks or five days, whatever time you can allow yourself after birth to just slow and rest is going to come back tenfold throughout the rest of your life and just really allow this sense of a jumping off point of like, okay, I rebuilt my unique self. My baby is stable on the outside world now, but now lets me focus on rebuilding these pieces and then moving on as a caretaker, as a mother, as a father, as whatnot. Um, and really knowing that that health can, we want to do that preventative care. So things don't escalate in the future. Yeah. Oh, I 100% agree. It goes back to, I think a huge theme here on the podcast is just encouraging the person listening that taking care of themselves is not selfish. It's going to help them show up better for the people in the world, whether it's their children or their spouse or their friends or whatever their calling is. And I don't think I really thought about that rebuilding period of time in the postpartum period as something that will help me for the rest of my yeah. life because it does, because that <laughs> postpartum is it. And I've, I've said this to every mom that I've worked with when I was doing health coaching, when they were in the postpartum period, it's like, postpartum is forever. Mm-hmm. You're in this period of time now. It might look different. It's definitely going to look different now than it does in a few months, but postpartum is forever. So we are setting ourselves up for the rest of our lives. And just having these tools, I think can be, it can be so, so helpful. So mm-hmm. I'm curious when it comes to um, Ayurveda and, and breastfeeding. So for the mom who who chooses to breastfeed, are there foods, herbs, or practices that can help with that in, in the science of Ayurveda? For sure. They are called galactagons, which I love that name because it always sounds like some cool intergalactic being. But um, galactagons are things like oatmeal, bananas, sweet potatoes, milky oats, some dark leafy greens, uh, coconut water. So things like potassium all really help produce milk. And then also knowing different latch positions, different ways you can have baby. Um, Again, warmth. So anything warm is going to help milk flow rather than cold dryness. So again, something that's warm on the breast, um, a warm compress, or even just a warm heating pad, uh, all sorts of great things, keeping mom comfortable, letting our birthing person, whoever had babe, letting them get propped up with pillows. We call it their feeding throne. So wherever they're feeding baby, they have hopefully a chair that has two armrests, something that they can prop elbows on. They have pillows around them. They're close to the bathroom. They're close to the kitchen. Maybe they have a little basket of all their needs of chapstick and uh, nipple ointment and their little silverettes and their phone charger and some snacks and always hydrate. So every time they're breastfeeding or chest feeding, there should always be hydration and some nutrition happening so they can restock their supply. Um, So same thing, like an airplane, you put your oxygen mask on first always, and then that way you can actually care for those around you. So it's that same philosophy going through parenthood of making sure you can take care of yourself first, just as you just mentioned, and then going to take care of the rest of the family. Um, But Ayurveda can help a lot with kind of those galactagongs, the foods. So it's again, those really grounding, unctuous, nutritious foods. So we want kind of those cup of qualities because um, post-birth is that vata time. So it's same thing, just as you intuitively knew to eat postpartum, which is so beautiful. And like, we all have that intuition. It's just tapping into it. And so those soupy, the soups and the stews and the oatmeal and um, 
So it's even things like you can have warm smoothies. You can soak some almonds overnight and then pop them out of their skin, throw them in a blender with some maple syrup. You could add a little tahini if you wanted, warming spices like cinnamon and clove. Um, and then a nut milk of sorts, if you want to do almond milk, oat milk, if you wanted and blend that up and it would be kind of a room temp shake. So not having cold things, but still having things you can enjoy, uh, things that have high nutrient density, but are super easy to digest. So again, if we kind of think about characteristics of food, if we can picture what a steamed carrot, what the texture of that would be and how quickly it just dissolves in your mouth and is going to easily be digested and then assimilated into the body, Versus again, that raw kale, if you put a big leaf of raw kale in your mouth, you're going to be chewing for 10 minutes and you will still have so much more to chew. It is so fibrous and so dense. So it's that kind of same mentality of what is going to be easy to digest and assimilate um, and what's going to be warming and grounding. And that also helps not only mom, but with breastfeeding as well, because once the nutrients are in the body, then that's going to help her have enough nutrients to um, be able to provide the breast milk. So again, the body is so cool that once the nutrients are absorbed and assimilated, it's going to go through the different systems of the body. So the first, um, the blood is going to carry the nutrients into the white blood cells, into the muscle, into the bone, into the tissue, into the mind. And then our reproductive organs are the last in line to receive all of our nutrients. So that's why if we think of really young gymnasts who may not get a cycle right away, or people who cycle kind of filters in and out, um, that usually is kind of a nutrition-based thing where if we can get the nutrition to kind of overflow through all systems of the body so we can have this beautiful, unctuous reproductive system, um, that's also going to really help benefit the milk supply as well. So we kind of go, again, go back to the beginning. So we want to start fresh. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh my goodness. I keep saying that's so interesting. I can't stop saying it because I just find it blows my mind all the time. Oh really, my gosh. I just want to keep learning more yeah, and more about exactly. it. And I love that it can help us in every season of our lives. It, you know, it helps us no matter if we are, if we're parents or we're preparing to be parents or, you know, we are, we are single people and it, it can help us in our, you know, our kids and helping keep them healthy and leaning into the seasons. Now you're making me crave um, warm smoothies again. I love smoothies. They are one of my favorite they're they are like my go-to breakfast just because it's so easy in the morning, especially with school drop-off and things mm -hmm. like that. I love to blend myself up a smoothie especially in the summertime um, with camp drop-offs and all of those things. But in the fall, I do find myself craving more warm breakfast, but I don't always have time for one. So I love that idea of whether it's in the postpartum or now, which technically I am postpartum, but very significantly postpartum at this point and not right after. Um, I have a chai spice smoothie that I love to make that's warm. And so I use chai spices um, and almond milk or actually oat milk would be really delicious in that too. And like a plant-based protein powder. And I but I use hot water in there and it's nice and warm. And so that, is that makes so much That's sense so in, mm -hmm. yeah, in the, in the fall season, it makes sense to kind of lead into those, those yeah. warming type foods too. So, oh, I love that. It's so, it's so fascinating to me. I've loved this conversation so yeah. much. So, much. so I'm wondering if you have any kind of last pieces of wisdom or advice for the, for the person listening, whether they are a mom or they're just someone who's fascinated in the science of Ayurveda, whether they are pregnant postpartum or none of the above. Um, 
maybe what is your best piece of wisdom or advice on starting to incorporate some of these Ayurvedic principles into, into their life? For sure. So probably coming back to the breath. So before making that decision, just taking a moment to scan the body, find the breath, see what's happening in there. Are you feeling super distracted and unsettled? Are you feeling very fiery or are you feeling super lethargic and docile? And it could be a range of all, but then kind of going from there and saying, okay, first day of fall, feeling still a little fiery though, because we just had some hot weather and maybe I started my day with a cup of coffee. So let's kind of bring this back into balance. Let's have that oatmeal to bring in those more feelings of groundedness. So really easy principles for me when I started Ayurveda was the like increases like. So if I can check in on what my needs are and pinpoint one thing of, oof, my stomach feels fiery. Okay. I want to work on that today. That's my focus. My digestion has too much fire in it. So let's do things that are going to digest easily, but also have great nutritional value and are things that are unctuous and grounding like oatmeal, like a nice bowl of lentil soup, like some sweet potato soup or butternut squash soup, things like that. Um, and then opposites bring balance. So like increases, like an opposite brings balance is a really great, simple way of just, again, whatever stage of life you're in pregnancy, postpartum, single in a relationship, any of the things, um, supporting all children, just taking it back to, okay, Today, I feel this way. I want to bring in opposite qualities. So I'm going to do this. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. And I love the simplicity of it. I love that in all of this, it is such, um, it's such a huge and expansive science. There's so mm-hmm. much to this. And I, that's why you would work with an Ayurvedic counselor to really kind of hone in on what exactly is going to work for you. But these principles are so simple to start with and to be able to just, I love that just checking in with yourself and what is one thing that I can do today to help to either, you know, to create that balance, right. To, so to bring that opposite in, if I feel that this is getting out of balance. So, oh my gosh, I love that so much. So I have three fun rapid fire questions that I love to ask at the very end to all of my guests. But before we jump into those questions, I would love to know where my listeners can connect with you and the work you do. I know that you are local to me, so you can share locally, you can share where they can find you online. Sure. I am out in Tiverton, Rhode Island. So I see clients in my home office here. Um, So Ayurvedic health consultations, body work, kind of prenatal sessions can happen here in this location or in the home. Um, I tend to see birth clients in the home. So that way we can figure out their birth plan and how their layout of their house is really important. Um, Online is www.anahatahome.com. So Anahata is the heart chakra and it's the balance between kind of the ethers and the earth and kind of that center unified chakra. Um, and so on the website, there are intake forms where you could fill out a quick intake form that you could put anything of Ayurvedic body work or wanting postpartum work, doula care, uh, Ayurvedic health consultation, put that right there in the intake form and send it out. Um, I'm on Instagram at Elise underscore Ayurveda underscore birth work. Um, so there's that as well. So if you're interested, that option is there for you as well. 
Oh my gosh. I love all of that. So I would love to jump into these fun little questions. And I think they're going to be even, even more fun because, you know, I, I love food. I'm a chef and I love talking about nourishing food. That's also delicious. And, you know, being someone who is an Ayurvedic health counselor, and I know you do cooking classes. I would love to know what you've been loving to cook lately. Ooh, um, definitely on the same line of soups and things, but stewed fruit is one of my favorite breakfast um because it's so light it's so fast so peaches have been in season so i would heat up a saute pan with a little um ghee and then add in cinnamon and nutmeg and clove and cardamom and a pinch of mineral salt then you dice up your fruit so it could be apples is now a great seasonal fruit to go into you could always use bananas is really nice Um, in the springtime you can use fresh berries but you would add the fruit into the pan kind of toss it in all that beautiful spicy oil now add a little bit of vanilla extract and then just enough water to coat that pan put a lid on and let it cook so you turn it down to low and let it cook for maybe another five more minutes And it is amazing. It tastes like you're eating an apple pie or something. So you can always throw, um, sometimes I'll roast the walnuts in when I throw the spices in. Walnuts or pecans can always be added. um, Or if you're feeling extra hungry and you may not have, so always thinking of digestion and not wanting to overeat or kind of food food combination things. But um, sometimes even if I'm super hungry, then it would be also over a bowl of oatmeal. So you would add those Uh, beautiful stewed peaches over a cup of creamy oats. And then that is like, sets you up for the day in the best way possible. Mm. Yes. Stewed fruit has definitely been a winner these last few weeks. That sounds so good. My kids actually love, they love stewed fruit and we've been doing blueberries lately and they love blueberries. And we just do, we simmer blueberries in a pan with a little bit, usually it's a little bit of honey or maple syrup and Mm -hmm. just a little bit of water. Mm -hmm. And that's one of their favorite things to have in the morning too. Now we have to switch it to the more seasonal fruits as we get into the, the apples and the pears and that sounds so delicious. (laughs) So then what have you been loving to eat lately? Um, Tahini has been really just something I'm craving so much. So I make a really easy tahini dressing with tahini, maple syrup, and apple cider vinegar that I put put over roasted vegetables. Um, I put it over a warm quinoa salad. So the quinoa salad was roasted broccoli and cauliflower and delicata squash with um, some pecans. I left the rainbow shard raw just since I did cut it really finely and had so much cooked foods in there with it so that it wasn't overwhelming and it gave me all those vital nutrients Um, and then tossed it in that tahini dressing Um, and then kind of making more hummuses. But that sesame seed is being warming and so unctuous and creamy. Oh God, tahini has just been so yummy lately. So adding Mm -hmm. it to all things. Oh my gosh. I love tahini so much. And that sounds yes. so delicious. And now that you said that, sesame, like eating sesame oil. Oil. oh my gosh, I can too. I love it so much. So yeah, that it makes sense, you know, moving into the, the fall season, you said the sesame oil is more warming. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to include more tahini too. So I love that. So my last and final question, because this is the healthy balance mama podcast, and we love to talk about balance in every area. What does balance look like to you in this season? Ooh, feeling grounded for sure. 
definitely knowing that my vata pitta constitution my vata can easily get a whacked and especially serving clients birth clients there's so many unknowns of we don't know when a birthing person is going to go into labor we don't know how long the birth will last or things like that there are a lot of unknowns in my life but beautiful unknowns life's greatest secrets of when is this baby going to arrive um but does i have to be extra diligent about keeping my vata grounded so for me most times feeling balanced in my body is feeling grounded, feeling ready to take on the day. Um, and again, that pittiness comes back too, for sure. So really making sure I feel grounded and also gentle and soft and smooth rather than fiery go pitta pitta yay. So um, that is what balanced is for me, just feeling grounded in the body and having all of the pieces in order, but not feeling stuck on them needing to be in that order, just knowing that this is what needs to happen at any certain flow when it does choose to happen, but having that kind of feeling of like, here we go. I'm ready for it all. Mm, what a great way to wrap things up, bring yeah, back to so we first started talking about and with Ayurveda. And I love that we were able to span this conversation through essentially the in, entire, the entire life, which is so, mm -hmm. so cool. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Elise. This was so great. I am so grateful for your wisdom, for your knowledge and for taking the time. I know this is our second time actually trying to figure out a time to record because you are a doula and someone had a baby, <laughs> which is so beautiful and so awesome. So so I'm so grateful that you were able to take the time and to, to chat with me and my listeners today. Gosh, thank you so much. This was such a joy. It was a blast speaking with you. And I really love the opportunity of getting to come on and kind of share the beauty of Ayurveda and also the simplicity and just reiterating of like how much innate wisdom is in all of us that we're already doing so many of these principles daily. And we just never had someone being like, Hey, great job. That's Ayurveda. You're doing it. So uh, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.